0: being in a wheelchair, being in a walker, on a cane, barely walking, hitting my head so hard on like trees and like falling and, you know, needing assistance, you know, crossing that finish line is just everything. I I can't even describe how incredible that feeling is, you know, to know that I did it and I I overcame this and I am better than this and I am more than this illness that I have, because I don't want it to define me. Yes, I have it. But I don't want to be seen as as a person that has MS. I want to just be seen as like someone that you say hello to. And we we can have a conversation with and you don't have to ask me about my MS. And if you want to, yeah, I'll talk about it because I'm because I'm okay with it, you know, and I've accepted that. But I just want to be seen as a regular person. I want to be I want to challenge for things as a regular person. I wanna compete for things as, 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 as a normal person. And that's all I wanted. And that, that crossing the finish line for me was exactly that.
1: everyone. Emily Abadi here coming to you live from the AG studio. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, Toughest moments and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I could not be more excited to bring you Will Valderrama. He's a runner based in Brooklyn, New York, and I was so taken by his story that I knew I needed to talk to him for the show. Now, in May of this year, Will, called Willie by his friends, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Three days after that diagnosis, which landed him in a wheelchair at times, using a walker and a cane, he decided to sign up for a marathon. Today in our conversation, we talk you through all of it, the symptoms that he was experiencing, which landed him in a hospital after talking to a neurologist, the shock he experienced when getting his diagnosis, the family history that he has and how MS had impacted his life up until this point when he found out that he too had it. His journey from May through this October when he ran his first marathon and did so in four hours and 22 minutes. This story is inspiring, Will is inspiring, and his outlook is one that we can all learn from, period. As he says in today's episode, his circumstances have taught him to be more empathetic. And I know that this episode has reminded me of the value of kindness and just understanding and reminding myself every once in a while that you never know what the person next to you on the street is going through at any given time. And so I'm so grateful that Will was willing to give me his time, that he is here to tell us his story, and that he will have the opportunity to continue to inspire so many through sharing that story and the work that I know he wants to do in the future. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social media. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over at Emily Abadi. A huge good luck to everyone else that is gearing up to run the New York City Marathon this week. I can't believe it's finally here. My nerves are in full force. I am in high recovery mode. I'm going to be uh, living in my Norma Tech boots until uh, <laughs> until next Sunday, but if you're going to be out there, make sure to shoot me a DM and let me know where you're going to be so I can look out for you when I am on the course. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today I am sitting down with Will Valderrama. How are you doing, Well.
0: I'm doing great. Thank I'm, you.
1: I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: I'm excited to be here with you. We, Thank I, you. We
1: have, okay, we have a lot, we have a lot to cover here, but I feel like I need to provide some context for how you and I ended up in the Hurdle studio, which the hurdlers listening right now, they know how excited I get when I get to actually bring someone IRL into the space <laughs> because after the last year, it yeah. doesn't happen often. doesn't right. happen often. Uh, I was taken by Will on social media. And he happens to be local. We'll get into the whys and the particulars very shortly, Mm -hmm. but happens to be local. And I was like, when can you get into the studio? And he said, how about next week? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it worked out well. I will say that uh, having a having a mutual friend usually like makes that whole process a little less sketchy and or yeah. like intimidating. Oh, for sure. 100%. Shout out! Shout out to Tim West from Bandit, who yes. by the time this episode goes live, the Hurdle community will actually be familiar with because Tim and I are going to be sitting down tomorrow night at awesome. the Hub 17 inside of Lululemon for a little chat ski. That's
0: incredible. Uh, Tim's an amazing guy.
1: I super, love that. super
0: amazing guy, and I actually have a funny story about how I met him. Oh, um, I was I was wearing a bandit hat, and I uh, and I just went to this random bar to meet a friend, or just he was working there, and he was sitting there, and then he came over, said hello, invited me to just to to have lunch, and then uh, we hung out pretty much the whole day, and then we've been we've been friends ever since.
1: So, I love that. You know. I love that. So so sort of some context here. Our, uh, our mutual friend Tim owns a company called Bandit Running. They're uh, they're going to be doing some big things coming up, so keep your eyes peeled for uh, for what Bandit has coming down the pipe. But Willie, so happy to have you here today. Why don't you give us a little context as to what you recently completed?
0: Okay, so I recently ran my first marathon. Um, a little bit further back into the story is that I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in May. Okay. Um, lost vision, lost my mobility, ability to walk, hand dexterity, um, some some slight memory loss as well, and um, and I ran a marathon five months after, and uh, it was it's the best day of my life, to be honest.
1: I feel like uh, a lot of people can share that sentiment if they ever go for running a marathon. I remember after my first New York, I said exactly that sentence, like best day of my life. But for you, I mean, what a different weight that has after, after what you went through. So before we talk through that, Diagnosis from May. Why don't you give the hurdlers a little bit of context into what kind of life you were living before this? Where did you grow up?
0: So I was born in Columbia, moved to the States when I was six to New Jersey, grew up in New Jersey, soccer player all my life. Uh, I'm I'm a soccer coach, I'm a youth soccer coach. And and then I moved to New York in 2017. Um, And then I Started running recently. I started running like I'm a pandemic runner. That's what I call myself.
1: I think a lot of people are pandemic <laughs> yeah.
0: runners. Yeah, I'm a pandemic runner, and um, I did it to lose weight. I was I was pretty heavy. I was like, a, you know, I felt not the best about myself, and I used I used the time, you know, through obviously a very tough period to just take care of myself and and change myself. So then I I started running, and um, and then it just started going really, really well. I started hitting like small milestones and small wins, and I fell in love with running. And then after that, I was pretty hooked, and I just kept on going. And yeah, and, yeah, and that's that's kind of what led me to decide to run a marathon and, and doing all those things.
1: So you got into running before your diagnosis.
0: Yeah, yeah, which, which is pretty crazy because I think running really helped me with my recovery and I actually, When I first started getting symptoms, and I might be getting a little bit headier, but I that was a Monday, May 3rd, and I ran 10 miles that Monday with symptoms. And then Tuesday, I ran, I ran another eight with symptoms, but it were light symptoms. It was just like vertigo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought, well, I'm just going to shake this off. I'm just going to run this off. It's just It might be just a light headache. Um, I had just gotten like a new glasses prescription, so I thought maybe that would have been something that, could have contributed to that. And um, I was wrong.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. And I think, I mean, first of all, also you saying you starting to run to lose weight, a lot of people can definitely relate with that, especially I think over the pandemic, all of us not Typically moving as much as we had been at one point or another, right. uh, especially with like the lack of a commute or the lack of going to social activities. So I myself like definitely leaned into running during the pandemic to to just feel a little bit better in my body and to highlight you saying like, I felt a little bit dizzy. I felt like it was vertigo. Mm-hmm. I mean, hi, prime example of like the thing that we all go to like WebMD for, right? Yeah. The Google. It's like, I feel a little bit dizzy and it's like, it could be cancer, or right. it could be, I mean, unfortunately, like what you ultimately learned it to be. So after day two of running mm-hmm. eight miles, then what happens?
0: Oh, man. So I, it got worse. Obviously, I remember one day I was walking my dog around McCarran Park and I absolutely whacked my head like on a tree branch because I couldn't see it. I was really starting to lose vision at that point. I was, I, I lost peripheral vision on the left first. And then it started it slowly started just boxing in, you know? Mm. Um, and then at that point I knew there was something like wrong. And I, and I knew that that I was starting to get sick. I didn't know exactly what was happening at that point. My whoop strap actually was telling me that I was getting I was getting eight, nine hours of sleep, you know, and I was still in the red, you know, huh. I was still in like the yellow, and I just didn't understand why, right? I was eating well, um, hydrating, doing all the things, and it was still in the yellow, and it was still like, like slightly in the red, but t- like teetering towards the yellow. Right. And, and then, I started asking questions. I remember, I remember clear's day. I posted a uh, a story about, about positional vertigo, asking if anyone knew anything about positional vertigo, this and that. And then someone, um, someone suggested I go see a chiropractor. So I did. That was Thursday. Uh, that was Thursday, May sixth, and then uh, they adjusted my back. I, I felt great immediately after. I was like, "Wow, this is perfect. I'm, I feel good. Healed, you know. I'm healed. That's it. <laughs> this is done." Yeah. And then that Friday, I woke up and I had no vision on my left. Um, I was really struggling to walk. I needed like the walls to keep me going. Um, and then um, and then I decided to make a phone call to a family friend who's a who's a neurologist and. Explained to him what was happening and he gave me the three options of what i might possibly have one being ms second one being like a like a slight stroke or like a laceration in the brain so then obviously those none of those are (laughs) good you know yeah and um i decided to go to the hospital uh i called around and just figured out or he suggested i go to Wild cornell in upper east uh, upper east side and um yeah, I got there a,
1: six. You six. You living alone at this point?
0: So I live with my girlfriend and her dog. Uh, but my girlfriend was in Pittsburgh. For, uh, that's where she's from. So she was in Pittsburgh at that time. And um, and she, she obviously couldn't help, you know. And, you know, she was there for for like a family event. So it, w- it was just really hard for her to come back for, for something so silly like positional vertigo. Right, right, right. right, right. And um, so then Friday, I, I decided to go to the hospital. She decides to come back from Pittsburgh. And I get to the ER, they take me in right away, and they start doing some tests, like some like walking tests, and you know, and, and then they just they think that I pretty much just have really bad migraines. Hmm. And and that was pretty much like that's it. And positional vertigo, which again, I had webmd you know? Um, and then after they started realizing that, you know, this might not be the case. I went for in for a CAT scan um, an MRI. And then, um, and then, and then that's when they told me that like I was showing early signs of MS and, uh, they were going to admit me. So
1: for someone who doesn't know much about MS, talk to me a little bit about firstly what it is and what's it mean to have like early onset? Like, are you in a better position because you found it early or how does that work?
0: So multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease where essentially um, there's a protective wall around like your, your nerves, right? It's called the myelin wall and that deteriorates. So um, it starts breaking down and then that, that open nerve, you know, when it, when it comes in contact with a bunch of different things, like it it doesn't connect well with the brain or muscles and, and that, so that's essentially what, what MS is early signs are really hard to detect because there's no real clear indication of how long you've actually had MS for, you know? Mm. Like this was my first clinical episode, right? But looking back, I've, I, I might have had different symptoms that I would have classified as like normal or me just being tired yeah, or me, you know, just like acting strange for a couple of days. You know, and, you know, it's, it's, I, I, you just, I have no way of telling, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I possibly could have had MS since like, I I remember like the first somewhat related symptom was when I was like 16, you know, I'm, I'm 30 now and I was 29 when I got diagnosed. Yeah.
1: What happened when you were 16?
0: I couldn't swallow certain foods, huh which is like a very big MS symptom. Really? And it was for like. And it was for close to a year, you know? So what was, kind of foods? Uh, chewy foods. So, like, lots of meats. I remember, like, almost choking on a calamari. Like, <laughs> like nearly died. So, it was, like, foods like that. Like, broccoli. Like, asparagus. Since it's, like, really stringy. So, that was... I remember that being, like, the first one where I was just... I, I, I started asking, like, what was going on? And, you know, um, never went to a doctor. But, right, right. But, you know, I just... I was young. I... You know, I was playing soccer. I just thought, well, this is just something, whatever, you know? So, so yeah, you know, so that's pretty much what happened. And like, even with like running, like my recovery time when running was like, when I first started running was really long. Like sometimes, like when I first started hitting like 10, like 12 miles, my recovery was like three, four days sometimes, you know? And that's a long time, you know?
1: Even that, what you were saying about the whoop data, like that is super interesting to me. Uh, And you referenced like being in the red, being the yellow, basically the goal every day for someone who may not wear a whoop is that you're hoping to like be in the green, which is, that means that like you're recovering well, your body is in a prime state to go after the next day of activities and take on new strains. So if you're continually waking up in the red or the yellow and you're doing all the things that you can do to be mindful of your overall recovery, you mentioned sleep, uh, perhaps not consuming uh, much alcohol or consuming alcohol like early in the day, not close to bed. Um, Things like wearing blue light glasses can impact this. There are so many factors that can impact your overall recovery, including obviously how much strain you take on during the day. So that is just such an interesting thing that will have to, we'll have to turn Will and the team on, onto yeah. what happened in your, in your case. But so I can't even, I'm like sitting here shaking my head, thinking about how you must have felt when they told you that yeah. you had MS.
0: I, it, I didn't process it at first. Yeah. And at that point, I think my body went into just, I, I think my body was at, was in survival mode because I was still able to stand. I was still able to move and I had to touch things and, you know, and um, I had to touch things and like move to to help me move around, but I was getting around. And then as soon as they told me, I remember calling my girlfriend and she's, she came home right away. And then I remember calling my mother, I called my mom and, you know, she was, she was pretty upset. Um, It's hereditary. Uh, MS is hereditary and I have an uncle who does have MS. And um, the first thing I thought about, he's, his 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 type of MS is 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 um is pretty is pretty developed, so where like I have something called relapsing remitting MS where it's you know you you uh, you go into remission and then the goal is always not to relapse right because the next time you relapse it's gonna get worse interesting and then it's just gonna get worse and then at some point it's gonna become a primary progressive where that's where you see people in wheelchair you know MS patients and like. Uh, that are struggling to be a little more mobile, you know and and their their symptoms are just consistently throughout the day. And that was the first thing that I thought about was like I see how much it struggles, how much he struggles, how much his family struggles to help him, you know, and how large of a task it is. And I didn't want that, you know and um, but that was that was the first thing that I really thought about. And uh, but I, I thought about my uncle a lot and I didn't process it as like I, I have MS. I process it as like, man, this is really hard for you. And like, I don't want to go through that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm. And then after, and then when I got admitted, I that's when I I couldn't even walk. And um I, I had a little bit of ability on my right leg, but my left leg was completely gone.
1: Yeah. Um, so And when they um, when they admit you, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure the questions that are going through your head are just rampant like yeah. you want if you want all the answer you want as many of the answers as possible right like how is this going to impact me what is it going to do to the rest of my the rest of my days nevertheless like next week next month am i gonna have to like completely change where i live am i gonna have to move like all of these questions
0: yeah i mean unfortunately i didn't actually get to ask those questions until like the second or third day there was a big gap of just a gray area you know of 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 me not knowing what was happening, um, it was just admitted and right away into like a spinal tap, which was the worst because they kept missing. They were just, so spinal tap is they're trying to extract fluids from your spine. And my lower back muscle wall was like a bit too thick. So like they couldn't get past the spinal area, the muscle wall, the spinal area to extract. So they just poked me like 10 times. It hurts so much. So, so it was like that and then plus put you on steroids to try to slow down the lesions in your brain. Um, And then, uh, and then I, so I had lesions in my brain. They figure that out. And I also had lesions in my upper cervical spine. So it was everywhere. Like, you know, and, um, and that's the reason why I was, why my episode was so severe, you know, because it was, yeah. So then after like two days, I just didn't know what was pretty much happening. I finally saw a neurologist. And I remember asking him like three times, like, are you
1: sure it's MS? Like, you know, like, and he's like, yes, it's it's MS, you know. There is a, a known silver lining as the story progresses that you are in a much better place now mm-hmm. than you were at this point. Yeah. But at that point, when did you even feel or have any assurance that you may be able to go back to what could have been considered previously your quote unquote normal life. I'm gonna
0: be honest with you. It wasn't even anything with the doctors. It was, it was just I knew that I was gonna get back. Like I there was no way that I wasn't gonna get back to like being that person. And and the doctors come in to talk to me. That was just confirmed it, you know? And but it, it took a while. Like I like I, I got admitted to like a like an inpatient rehab program and that's really when i was able to ask those questions you know but but it was more about like the timeline not so much of like you know is this am i going to be able to get back you know it was when, yeah you know like when can i start running like when can i start moving when i when can i go back to coaching and um and i didn't get my final answer until i met my specialist and that was three days before i was discharged And she gave me a time frame of running of early July, early to mid-July.
1: So you were, to the extent that you had described, Mm -hmm. when you go into that inpatient facility, which is where?
0: It's in, it's, it's in Wild Cornell in the Upper East Side.
1: Okay. They
0: have, they have like a, like a, like a, like an inpatient rehab center in, you know, Mm -hmm. where they, they admit you in and you stay there for X amount of weeks, days, you know. And it's, it's intensive. It's from like nine to five, like occupational, physical, cognitive therapy. There was everything. Doctors come and see you like all the time, tons of tests. Yeah. And uh, it was intense. And honestly, it was pretty
1: hard. Well, I would imagine that at any point it would be very intense and very hard. But I would also guess that it had to be a little bit more difficult because of the climate of what was going on in the world at the time yeah that was tough
0: yeah that was really really tough um that was tough because there was a lot of people that wanted to see me and i wanted to see a lot of people and when you lose contact for x amount of days it becomes really hard and you know and and know it was also it, it was it was limiting like people couldn't people could only come and see me from like nine to like eight um but it wasn't really nine to eight because I was in therapy for like four hours in the morning and then you know and like four hours in the afternoon and then like after that I had pretty much homework and like you know yeah and um so that was that was difficult and then also the weather was turning it was it was like really cold when I when I
1: went into the hospital and then it was just like mid 70s and you know, it was really, really nice. Do you, upon arriving there, start to meet anyone that like makes an impact on you?
0: Yes. Yes. Oh, I love,
1: I love the enthusiasm. Oh in that.
0: my gosh. Yes. And impatient. There was this, this older guy, his name was, his name is Steve. I'll never forget him. He was so nice.
1: What's Steve's deal?
0: <sighs> Steve's deal is that he, um, he had a bad accident and, um, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what he was diagnosed with, but he was, he was, he was, the place is called Baker 18 or, and that's what they just called the patient. But he was there for like close to a month and he was just like going through the wringer and he was so positive about everything. And he was my roommate. I was only there with him one night, but he made such an impact. We watched the Yankees game. I don't even like baseball. Sorry. But, you (laughs) know, yeah, like we watched like, a Knicks game and we watched a bunch of different things and he would just talk to me about like, you're gonna be fine, you're young, this and that, like you should be you should be happy that you're not my age because you'd be here for two months and and he was just amazing, an amazing, amazing guy. And then actually when I when I after I got out of the hospital, I saw him like two months later. And I, I said hello to him and, you know, and we talked for a bit, but he, he, was, he was one of those people that made an impact. And then also the therapist. I mean, they were incredible. Like, you know, um, I, I'm really fortunate and grateful that I had such a tremendous team around me in that week and a half that I was there because they got me from walking three feet to l- l- walking hallways.
1: And then they send you back home or what happens with that? Because I'm sure you needed a lot of like you needed to kind of shift things up a little bit.
0: Right. So the reason why I had to stay there was because I couldn't go upstairs and I live in a a three floor walk up and they needed a plan and I needed a plan. Right. So um, we they got me to a baseline where pretty much I could just go upstairs and that was it.
1: And at this point, your vision is better.
0: Not fully. Yeah. Not fully. Everything's really blurry. Um, Light sensitivity was a massive deal for me. Yeah. Huge, huge problem for me. Yeah. That was rough. That was tough. Light sensitivity was really, really hard. Anything would hurt my head. One of the largest things that was really, really challenging was the sirens. Um, You know, New York, sirens everywhere. And as soon as you hear them, like, in maybe like a three block radius, I just, like, would lose vision immediately and headaches right away and yeah
1: what can you do to manage that
0: nothing yeah nothing literally nothing you just have to take it and and that was for almost like a month you know and you're just there and you're just you know fingers to the ears and just trying to just closing your eyes and just trying to just let it go and pass and it's a fire truck and after that it's an ambulance and then there's you know and did you think about just leaving new york oh yeah yeah, big time, big time. I, I thought about leaving New York and I, I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't walk. I pretty much had a full time job of seeing le- seeing doctors after I got out for the Perth for, until like August. But yeah, specialists, doctors, therapists, everything was here. I couldn't just leave. But solely based on the fact that ambulance, fire truck, all of these like sirens were killing me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to leave so badly.
1: And I mean, beyond that struggle, I would also imagine that obviously all this takes such an emotional toll on you. Mm -hmm. So during, I would say, let's say pre-August, because it seems as though we're going to get to a point Mm -hmm. come like end of August where you're starting to like feel a little bit more back at home in your body. So leading up to that point, Mm -hmm. how do you even stay grounded or like deal with the day to day frustrations of something that's just so uncontrollable? I,
0: I started setting myself just like little goals, you know, like small goals. Like I'm trying to think of like the first one that I set myself, taking the subway, mm-hmm. not Ubering. And I couldn't drive, you know, so it was Ubers, you know, lifts. And then my first goal was I want to take the train. And I did it. And I was super happy about it. And then after was getting off the cane. And then I was able to get off the cane. And then after that was regaining vision with fast movements. Hmm. And that, that one took a really, really long time, more than I had expected. But it was one of the goals that I set for myself. It just it took longer to get there.
1: But a goal like that, like how much of that is actually within your control?
0: It is because there's there's therapy for that. So we did something called VOR. VOR. Which, VOR, which um, it's like vestibular something, response, whatever. <laughs> and, and it's essentially just a big letter B, right? Yeah. It's just... Capital B, and you're just moving your head left and right on a metronome, and you're just going left and right, left and right, left and right, and then after you go with the with the the B, you go up and down. Yeah, and that helps with your vestibular system, and and you're just doing that for like ever for like two minutes,
1: like like four sets of two minutes, and. I'm just sitting here like shaking my head a little bit, thinking about the grit that it takes to commit to that, knowing that, for example, like I'm dealing with, I would say last phases of a strange psoas muscle, which required physical therapy and like physical therapy homework that I dreaded doing. Whereas I'm talking to someone that needed to do this for like hours a day.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a lot. And then Yeah. So that was like one of the workouts that I did. There's something called the Brock string, which is like, it's just a string with like different beads. And then you're just going and just moving and you're just going from bead to bead and then moving your head left and right. And there's different exercises with this one string. And it's so elementary, right? Um, Because it's just a string that's tied to your doorknob, but you're there and you're trying to focus because I couldn't focus. I had I had a big issue with convergence. So like getting both eyes to like work together mm. to meet in the middle. Um and so I'm just doing that. And I'm doing this this VOR, this with this letter B and just moving my head left and right. Like, you know, going down the streets of like Brooklyn, just like left and right. And everyone's looking at me like what's going on with this guy, you know? And so those were two of the big workouts that I did. And and again, super elementary, but it makes a difference yeah and if you're not doing it your recovery just you know it grows by like exponentially
1: and i mean talk about the application of this like relevant to whatever other goal or task that you have at hand when we're talking about like setting small attainable goals so that you can get to where you want to be even Mm -hmm. if these small goals like aren't as far along or as progressed as you were hoping
0: with these little goals, there, I knew that they were just gonna build up to something greater, right? And I also knew that I didn't have a choice. You know,
1: I I knew that this was my only route. Yeah, but that acceptance, that acceptance is like what so many people struggle with, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what separates like a fixed mindset from a growth mindset. You can either like commit to wanting to be better, that includes accepting the shit that you can't change, mm-hmm. or you can just be sitting at home being mad about the things that you can't change.
0: Yeah, you're right, and you know, I. I and i know tons of not tons but i know some of MS, ms patients and you know that that struggle with that you know they they see it as something that they can't deal with or they struggle to deal with but even though it sucks and it it changes your day like by an hour you know each hour like i, I today we could be talking or like right now we could be talking and then once i leave here i might lose like hand dexterity or i might have like foot drop but you got to be okay with that. And you got to be okay that this stuff is, it's going to happen. But there's stuff that you can do to prevent that. There's stuff that you can do to maybe not have it happen as frequently, you know? And that was my mindset is, I don't want this. This hurts. This is terrible. And if, if I can avoid it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, you know, but um. But yeah, it's really hard for a lot of people to do that.
1: Is there like a, a moment where you feel as though a lot of these exercises that you're doing are the... I would say maybe some of the sacrifices you're making are really starting to pay off. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, June 7th, so I, I, my birthday was June 8th. June 7th, I set another little goal to just run, to just run a lap around the track in McCarran Park. And and it was way too early for me. I I, I knew it was way too early for me, but I was like, whatever, I'm going to do this. You know, I just, I needed it, you know? So I did it. I did it and then I I ran the first one walked and then I got to uh, 3 quarters of a mile and and I felt great. And then at that at this point I was like, "Wow, I'm actually running. I might not be running in a straight line, but I'm running." You know, I, I might be a little it might be a little blurry. I don't really see anyone on the left or right side of me, but guess what? I'm running. And um and that's when I knew, wow, like that's when I, f- I figured out that therapy was really really working and i was getting closer to taking my next steps of my marathon
1: yeah you know? i mean i'm sitting here thinking about if i had happened to be at the track at that day and just i mean forget like what it looked like to like to actually for someone on the outside not knowing you seeing you run but really what i'm thinking about is the idea that like you never know what anyone is dealing with like that yeah. walks by you on the street for one person to like have like learned that about like that thing that you were doing at that time on that track and how meaningful that was to you. Like, wow, what, what an accomplishment, but what like a moment.
0: It was a moment. And you know, and, and I think that day I became more empathetic. I started to really understand what people might go through that. I just don't see, you Yeah, know? and I, and I had, and I had a really, um, uh, Nice, I, I remember finishing and I just laid on the ground for a little bit and just closing my eyes and just try to like get my vision back. And while doing that, I remember just thinking like, holy shit, I just did this. And there's people that are struggling with way worse. And even though I'm going through this, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. And I think that's why I, I really want to talk to you about this too, because I think it's really, really important to just put more awareness out there. And I think we're starting to see that more with, with MS as of, as of maybe the last three years. Yeah. But there's not enough out there, especially for athletes.
1: Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsors. First up. Daily harvest. Now, this time of year for me usually means getting back into a busier schedule. And you know, I love food, but when I am swamped, it is hard for me to focus on what's for lunch when I'm trying to manage my inbox and coordinate interviews and write articles. And you get the picture. Anyway, Thanks to Daily Harvest, my freezer is always stocked with delicious options that are ready in minutes. Daily Harvest delivers delicious harvest bowls, flatbreads, smoothies, and more, all built on organic fruits and vegetables right to your door. And the best part is that it literally takes minutes to prepare and it never uses preservatives, added sugar, or artificial anything. And that goes for all of their offers their cremini and asparagus pot pie, unbelievably delicious. Sometimes I'll throw in a couple of turkey meatballs to go in with that. Also their roasted eggplant and red pepper caponata. Hi. Yes. Every day. (laughs) Thank you. This is the kind of stuff that I would never have the like brain bandwidth to come up on my own. And it helps me eat well when I'm trying to do good too. Of course, Daily Harvest has an awesome deal for you. Enjoy this time of year even more like I do with Daily Harvest. Head on over to dailyharvest.com and enter code hurdlepod. That's hurdlepod to get up to $40 off your first box. Again, use code hurdlepod, H-U-R-D-L-E-P-O-D at dailyharvest.com to get up to $40 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com dailyharvest.com. Also want to give some love to my friends at Revtown. Revtown is on a mission to make your favorite pair of jeans and I can personally say mission accomplished. Now I man, I feel like forever for me buying denim has just been an absolute headache. I feel like nothing fits my thighs as well as it fits my waist. I've always been made to feel like something is wrong with me because none of these styles work well for me and my body. That is until I tried on Revtown Denim. Now their styles, they're inherently naturally inclusive and super accessible to women of all shapes and body types. Plus, the material is super comfortable. It's a signature Italian denim, Italian denim, (laughs) that's unparalleled in comfort for half the price of so many other designer jeans. Plus, they've got super cute trims on so much of their styles. Hem treatments and distressing, And I love just all of the different washes. Again, RevTown is my go-to, and I know that you will love it as well. Head on over to RevTown.com, that's R-E-V-T-O-W-N.com slash hurdle to check out some of my favorites. Again, that's RevTown.com slash hurdle to check out my favorites today. The question that comes up now is when does the, you know, three quarters of a mile turn into like more plurals?
0: Yeah, it actually came really quick after that. Yeah, I did safely. I I, I was okayed by by my by my therapist, my physical therapist, and we set another small goals of just like, you know, 10% increases. And then after that, it, um, it went up to like 20. And then so I, I moved to like, one mile full run. Felt great, but I was running like thirteen-minute miles, um, and the whole thing with the way that I have to run now is that I have to keep my heart rate at a certain level. So all of my training had been zone one, zone two throughout, and um, which is great, you know. Like you know, um, runners know that zone one, zone two is like easy runs are your bread and butter, and you know, and you should be doing that. Mm-hmm. But when you don't, when you can't run, and you haven't ran in such a long time. Zone one is a fourteen-minute mile. Like zone two is a thirteen-minute mile, and my heart rate's still just like spiking into like one sixty-five, one seventies. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah. So from from mile one, it quickly went into mile four, and then mile four to like mile six, and then at that point, I was feeling much better. And that was, I want to say that was like close to
1: August at that point. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I just. I love the uh, the approach that like it doesn't look like how it used to, but it still makes me feel great. That's yeah. like something else that I think uh, is a hurdle that many of us struggle with, especially when it comes to um, either having to get back into a fitness routine or maybe it's with how you're eating or, you know, there's just so many, so many different circumstances where this is applicable, but to not judge like that beginning too harshly, right? Because it's so easy just to be frustrated. But if you're, again, you know, this theme, if you're spending your time being frustrated about like where you're at, then you can't focus on really where you want to go.
0: Yeah, that's, that's very true. And I definitely thought about just not running, you know, because it was taking me so long to run two miles and, and I, you know, it's frustrating, you know, Especially, especially knowing where you were before. Yeah. So, but I I kept going and I knew this is what I wanted. And then after I started really enjoying it and I started really seeing it as my time to just, what's the word I'm looking for? Decompress. Decompress, but also accept, right? And it it was, it was my time to really reflect on what I was going through and how, how this was changing my landscape as a person, Mm -hmm. as a partner as a soccer coach, as, you know, as, as a lot of things. And I really started enjoying it. And I would think about like the craziest things on my run, like these really long, short runs, you know, like, I would think about, you know, everything from like, what I was going to eat for dinner that day, because I had to transition my diet and to like, literally thinking, why is this happening to me? Like, why am I? Why am I in this place? You know, so, and those two sides of the spectrum are so nice and just they're, they're so important when you're when you're going through something like that because it really helps you accept who you are as a person. It really helps you accept your challenges, and it helps you get ahead.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah, for you. I mean, you said you had to adapt your diet. What had to shift? Everything.
0: Yeah. Everything. Low sugar, low sodium. Um, I'm pretty much plant based with uh with some with some like high fat. Uh, fish. People with MS are usually um, vitamin D deficient. Mm -hmm. So we got to keep that up. And uh, so I I do have fish, but mostly plant-based and um, no meat. And to be honest with you, I just, I feel sick when eating like high fat meats now, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where I transitioned. I also don't really drink as much anymore. So I pretty much cut alcohol from my life now. Yeah. I drink occasionally, you know, I still have some fun, but it's uh, it's just not worth it. Totally. It's not worth it for me anymore. My recovery, like, from a hangover is four days. And
1: who has four days? No. No one. Life's too short. Life's way too short. Life's way too short. For you, also on the run, were there any, uh, perhaps, like, safety precautions or things that you had to shift in the way that you would go out versus what you did before you were diagnosed? I had to switch up my routes. I had to switch up my routes and make sure that they
0: were safe. I set up my routes where I had water, like water fountains if I didn't have water. I started running super early in the morning because it was in the, cause I started running or running back again, June, July, August, right? So, right. Was, so I, I couldn't I couldn't run in the middle of the day. Um, so I, I started running like 4.30 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. When do you sign up for a marathon? I signed up for my marathon. The third day, I was in the hospital. Stop it! Oh, I swear. I signed up for the New Jersey Marathon, uh, which got canceled, and then and then they moved it to, or we were able to just move our entry to um, the Atlantic City Marathon, and I, that's when I that's when I signed up. I
1: yeah. Talk to so, me about that thought process. I I I wanted
0: to do it. That was the goal before I got diagnosed, and nothing was going to change that nothing was going to change that for me. I knew that I wanted to run it. I knew, I, I also knew that if, if I didn't run it, I was going to really suffer from that emotionally. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I knew my head, my, my mental health could possibly be at risk. If I didn't even try it, you know, or ha- have like a goal. It was the second night trans- moving into the third, you know, day. I, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep at all. Those beds are super uncomfortable. And I was awake and I just signed up for this marathon. I just, I just needed to sign up for something that was going to push me out of this. Yeah. And that was going to help me look forward to something because it, it had been a really crappy year. And I, I just, I thought about the feeling of me crossing that finish line and I visualized it. And I and I, and I I just thought, man, this is going to be the greatest feeling ever um, to be able to accomplish something like this after what I just went through. And I know that if I finish this marathon, I'm gonna be able to get through anything.
1: Can I ask you a personal question? Do it. Did you, beyond like the therapist that you worked with for all of your recovery, uh, start seeking any therapy for mental health?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I needed to talk therapy was super important for me. Mm-hmm. I I had, I did first of all I'm not a good communicator, right? Something I really strongly struggle with, and I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to communicate with myself about, you know, getting through this, you know, which was really, really hard. And, and I'll just get real with you. Like, I didn't have insurance with, I didn't have insurance either. So I had, so when I got out of the hospital, I had like a $200,000 debt, you know, and that alone is like, that's enough stress to put you into another episode. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I was really fortunate and we were able to set, set up a GoFundMe and we reached our goal of hundred thousand, which is great. we settled with the hospital and then we were able to pay that off fully. So wow. that's gone, Wow, which is great. And then, um,
1: yeah, but like the ongoing treatment still,
0: the ongoing treatment still. So, but now I have insurance, which is great. And, you know, um, but for, for the first couple of months I had to just deal with that, Yeah, you know, and I didn't know, I, I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know who to talk to about it, you know? I also was struggling cognitively obviously you know so I like I would call I would call insurance companies and they would just talk to me about all these things that I just didn't understand and I couldn't comprehend it I just couldn't grasp all the things that were being said to me and you know and that was really just difficult you know so and that was just one of those things you know
1: talk to me about the longest run before the long run
0: long run being my marathon mm-hmm My longest run was outstanding. I hit 18. I bought some Nike uh, Alpha Flies. Oh, you're flying. I'm flying. (laughs) I'm cruising.
1: Hashtag sponsor me.
0: That's it. Please, Nike. (laughs) uh, Yeah, it felt great. So I bought these. I ran with them uh, for, for a little bit, right? And then right away, as soon as I started that run, my heart rate drastically dropped. Huh and it was incredible. It was cuz this is exactly what I need it, right? Right. And um and I'm around like mile 10, um making my splits in like low tens, which was good at, for me at that point and then um and then hitting some nines but my heart rate's still like at like 145, you know, which is phenomenal. That's right. where I want to be. And and I finished my 18 and I could have gone for like another like four miles and I felt so good. And at that point I was like, I knew that I was ready for this marathon. I knew that I'm going to absolutely crush this thing. <laughs> and I was so confident in myself yeah. about doing this that I like, it helped me with the nerves. My nerves were completely gone. I was starting to taper down. I had an amazing program with, uh, with my run coach, Jimmy Williams. And then I also um, seeked out strength training through Brooklyn Athletic Club in Greenpoint. And so I was ready. I was prepared for this marathon. I had done everything possible yeah. to absolutely smash this marathon. And that last run solidified it.
1: Uh, question, low mm-hmm. sugar, what are your electrolytes? Uh-oh. Is nutrition like a, a rough spot for marathon training for you? Yeah. 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 I can imagine.
0: Morton's decaf, you know, gels. Uh-huh. Those are my bread and butter for long runs. Have Uh, you tried Element? No.
1: I'm gonna give you some before you leave here. Yeah. It's salt, no sugar, no gluten. Yeah, like, I'll that'd, give you some. That'd be amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's one of my favorites because I was I was leaning into some sugary options before mm-hmm. and I felt like a little drained from it mm-hmm. and once I started drinking Element, I mean obviously it's a beverage, so if you're I drink it before and after mostly or I'll drink it on the bike when I go riding. Mm. I don't like carry my own bottle when yeah. I'm doing a long run. I'll I'll do some more in gels as well yeah. in that case, but yeah, I'll give you some.
0: That'd be awesome. Yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, it was it was really hard. I mean, with electrolytes, I that wasn't even part of my, my my marathon training. Right, because this is
1: your first marathon. Had you run a half or anything before this?
0: Yeah, by myself. You know, I, I,
1: like before I got diagnosed, I ran two halves. Okay, so talk to me about the mental roadmap for mm-hmm. like you running the marathon. Like because I can't even imagine the array of emotions that like the closer you get. Even to, I mean, f- hell, like starting first mm-hmm. of all yeah. through like the whole the whole shebang. Well, where do you want to start? Like wherever the wherever you want to start.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so July, I I started getting therapy through Finish Line PT, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they set me up with Jimmy Williams, who also became my run coach. And then, and then I was, I was looking for I was looking for strength training, which was weird because no one wanted to work with me as like mm-hmm. an MS patient. Everyone was really everyone shied away from it, but. But Brooklyn Athletic did it and they set me up with um, Andrea Chiliman who who worked with people that MS so it was like a perfect fit. And that was that I got super excited because I my hamstrings felt great. I I was getting stronger. I was I I I was starting to have like less and less symptoms and as I built my aerobic base, I just felt so good, so so good. And then come September, I come September, I start realizing like a really, like a big shift in my training where I'm just like cruising on my runs, hitting 14, 15 mile runs and just feeling great. Recovery was also good the next day. And I just wasn't getting sore at all. One of my big symptoms is tight chestness. So like what we call like the MS hug, where it feels like someone's just like, like literally just crushing your insides from, you know, like from the sides. And and I wasn't getting any of that. And then and then, yeah, therapy was going great. I was able to go from two from from twice a week to once a week. Uh, still doing twice twice um, two time string ses- uh sessions, and and so that was that was my first go when I really said to myself, "Okay, like I'm gonna do this. Like, yeah, like I'm gonna run this marathon. Like actually." And then September hit. Great month of training. The initial goal was just to finish it. I just want to finish this marathon, right? I don't even know what the cutoff was. I think it was like six hours or something like that. And then after we hit it like 5.30, and then the last week of the marathon, you know, we're coming up with, uh, Jimmy and I are sitting down, and we're talking about kind of like the strategy for the marathon, and, you know, how we're going to like approach, you know, first 10, you know, and then after like the last like 10K, right? And he's looking at my times. He's looking at like my data, and he's like, dude, I think you can run 4.30 if, you know, sub 4:30. I was like, "Holy crap, dude. I think you're right. I think I can do this." Right? As long as I keep my as, as long as I keep my heart rate low till like mile 18, 19, I'll just power through the last ones, you know? And he's like, "Yeah, I think that's a good plan." I was like, "Okay, cool." The day before, the day before the marathon, my partner's dad lives in it lives in Atlantic City, and he lives on the route. So it was it was perfect. And it was about half a mile away from the starting point. Uh, so we we drove down Saturday, had a great meal, Tim Western Bandit. I, I talked to him a lot about it and he and he he recommended that I do the bandit. Uh, uh the bandit tradition was like two glasses of wine before before the marathon. I said, okay, I'll do it, man. Like oh <laughs> uh, this fine. So had so much pasta. The whole week I was just carving up you know, eating super, super healthy. And then, and then, yeah, the day of the day before we just, my, my family was there. I had friends there. Um, my sister, her husband and my niece who were really important to me, they came down and they were ready to support. And then, um, I went to sleep around nine o'clock. Well, I wake up early. So I woke up around like five, like 4am actually. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing some meditation and, uh, Yeah, I started doing some meditation and I did some breathing exercises to just open up the chest and just open up my lungs and just to like calm down my, bring down my heart rate because I hadn't even, I hadn't even started changing and it was like at 165. I was so nervous about it. And, um, how are you tracking this?
1: Are you wearing anything besides the whoop? uh, Garmin, Garmin. got a Garmin. Yeah, I
0: got a Garmin. And so I would just kept tracking it and just like seeing where my heart was. And I yeah. knew, I knew right away, like, this isn't good. Like I need to just calm this down. Yeah. And, um. and it felt good. Like I remember crying. I, I, I just started tearing up and that's when the emotions like really started hitting me. Like when I, I, I did this meditation for like, for like endurance and sports and they were talking about, they talked about like Kobe Bryant and like his approach and stuff like that through the meditation. And, And his like work ethic and I'm not comparing myself to Kobe Bryant by no means, you know, but it just touched me for some reason, you know, and I really felt like I was doing something more than just for myself, you know? Yeah. And I started crying and, and then I, I I think that was like the weight of the last five months just out. And I needed that so badly, so, so badly before this marathon to help me bring my heart rate down because there was a lot of weight a lot a lot of weight totally and i just needed to just release it
1: what app are we using for our meditation
0: aura okay yeah and then yeah I, I just felt great i felt super good about it after and then had some good breakfast went hung out for a little bit you know showered changed up and then i was i was ready to go and then yeah. and then when i got to the line, i wasn't nervous or anything like i was i felt great it was a cool day a little breezy it was nice yeah and then i I met with a friend who was who was also running and we agreed that to do the first mile together and um so that helped because he calmed my nerves and we're just chatting and you know and then and then it started it started and then my stomach like my heart dropped my stomach dropped and then that's, I was like, shit, all right, let's do this. Like, this is this is it. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're in it. We're in it. And then my first mile, it was like 930. I was like, and I, and I knew that that might have been a little too fast for me. Right. Um. But my heart rate ha- was also at 165 at that point. And I hadn't even finished my first half mile. There was two things I was going to do. It was I was either going to slow down, right, or I was just going to keep going at this pace and just see how, you know how it continued so um I decided I could just keep going at that pace and I just I was cruising I felt great no symptoms and I was able to hold like 165 to like 173 which is that sweet spot for me uh till around like mile like 16 mm-hmm. you know uh and then and like at like mile mile 15 and a half like 16 I started losing like feeling my feet which was mm-hmm. really, yeah mm-hmm. which was scary but I also I was also dealing with like a pinky toe issue where like I stubbed it four weeks and it was terrible like of course this is gonna happen to me and um so it wasn't the worst thing because I knew that I was gonna get symptomatic and I was ready for this right but this pinky toe was bothering me so much through this whole run and then I couldn't feel it so it was okay yeah it was all right you know silver lining silver lining exactly and then um, my I, I had set up where my my best friend Josh he's also a runner he was gonna he, he was gonna set up at mile seventeen and be my aid because that's that's where I planned to start getting symptomatic like heavily right 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 so um, meet him up at mile seventeen around like mile nineteen I started losing vision like on the left hand side and thank God he was there because he I I would just bump into him he would just like walk like I mean he would just talk to me. And he would just kind of guide me through that, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, and like I, I felt great. My my feet, like I couldn't feel my feet. I couldn't really see, but other than that, I felt pretty good. You know, honestly, I felt really, really good. And at that point, I was actually tracking like a sub four marathon, which was crazy. And then, um, I just I couldn't hold it. My quads got super tight. Yeah, had to stretch a little bit. But um, I finished. I finished at four twenty two, and which was. An hour before my initial goal.
1: The video I saw of you, which caused me to reach out to you, is you like crossing that finish and like the hardest veer to the right ever. Yeah. Just like toward all of your people. Oh my gosh. There's a funny story with that. Yeah. There's a really, really funny story. Thank God they were on
0: the right. Thank God they were on the right. But, okay. Like the last point, too. I booked it. Like I I was running like a like a six minute mile the last point too because I was so excited, you know, the yeah. adrenaline just spiked, but I couldn't see. So I I get past the finish line and then I I like I hear the voices, right? Like my my friend and family, right? So I I that's I start going to the right. My girlfriend's blonde, right? And one of her friends is also blonde. <laughs> is also blonde, but my girlfriend's she she's not there. she's at the she's at the front. she's like in front cause she wants to get that shot. yeah, that video. but I didn't see her. Oh, so man. I went directly to our friend Brittany, and I was ready just to like give her a hug and a kiss. <laughs> and then, as I'm like in our distance, I'm like, oh crap, this is't <laughs> like,
1: it wasn't the plan. I'm I know
0: sorry. this wasn't the plan. And then I could again, I couldn't see anything and I just I'll send you a video where I'm just like, I'm right there. I'm just like, where's Allie? Where's Allie? Where's Allie? And then I find Allie and then, and then, yeah. And that was, and that was that. How do you feel? During the, during the finish line?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. I, I felt, I felt like top of the world. Like, yeah, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's, there's no better feeling than finishing that cross line and just like, achieving your goal like MS aside, MS aside, like just finishing a marathon is 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 a huge task and it's a huge challenge. But being in a wheelchair, being in a walker, on a cane, barely walking, hitting my head so hard on like trees and like falling and you know needing assistance, you know, crossing that finish line is just everything. I can't even describe how incredible that feeling is, you know, to know that I did it and I I overcame this and I am better than this and I am more than this illness that I have because I don't want it to define me. Yes, I have it. But I don't want to be seen as, as a person that has MS. I want to just be seen as like someone that you say hello to, and we we can have a conversation with, and you don't have to ask me about my MS. And if you want to, yeah, I'll talk about it because I'm because I'm okay with it, you know, and I've accepted that. Mm-hmm. But I just want to be seen as a regular person. I want to be I want to challenge for things as a regular person. I want to compete for things as a, as as a normal person, and that's all I wanted. And that, that crossing that finish line for me was exactly that
1: looking at this journey what would you say one of the biggest lessons aside from what we talked about about mm-hmm. breaking things up into little doables yeah. has been for you that i'm capable
0: of just doing the
1: impossible that there's no feet like large
0: enough to like break me down you know yeah and, like i'm like i'm super confident now after this marathon like i believe in myself more than anything now you know like i'm my next one is an ultra marathon. Like, I don't know which one it is, but I'm going to do it. You know, do it it. I'm going to do it. And, <laughs> and, you know, and that's, that's the type of confidence that I think a lot of people should have. You got to believe in yourself. And, you know, um, everyone's, everyone's roadmap is obviously a lot different, but you can overcome anything. And I believe that. I truly believe that.
1: For someone struggling right now, whether it is with MS or just another hurdle that they're navigating on their own time, what, kind of advice would you offer them to be able to move forward it's okay dude just it's okay tackle it you
0: know take it day by day see how it goes you know just stay consistent and just see you know see how that goes for you if you're able if you're able to just tackle it like day by day you're you're gonna get ahead and that that's that's it'll change you
1: what else excites you right now
0: what excites me now is getting back on the road I want. I haven't ran, so I, I'm. I'm excited to just run again. That excites me. I'm. I'm excited to, to to finish school, which I again. We. I've been doing like this career shift into like UX design, and I'm excited for that. And um, and then I'm also just really excited to just not be symptomatic, and not have another episode because mm-hmm. I treat my body like it should be treated. You know and. And I appreciate life so much now, you know? Yeah. That's another thing that I think everyone should, uh, should like really do is appreciate the little stuff, you know, appreciate walking, appreciate seeing, you know, appreciate, you know, just like being able to say hello and good morning to someone. Yeah. You know, because it's really simple. Like it's really easy.
1: Just, you can just get that taken away from you. I do think... uh to a certain extent, many of us had to, to find some of that small appreciation for the little things that were stripped because of the pandemic. Yeah. Obviously, a very different scenario, but I find it to be really beautiful that there does seem to be a little bit more of uh, of what you're getting at here. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, that's something that we don't lose sight of uh, as things, knock on wood, right. you know, kind of get back to a little bit more like they used to be. I definitely see that
0: as, as, like, especially, like, in my little community of, like, that Williamsburg area, you know. Yeah. It's, um. I definitely see it. I've met a lot of people through the pandemic, which is, like, crazy, you yeah. know, and uh, some really amazing people, you know, through it. Um, but, yeah, just say hello to someone. Yeah. It helps.
1: It does. It really helps. All right, Willie right now right now you have an opportunity to offer the you a piece of advice on Friday may 7 yeah looking back on that day yeah right now oh wow what do you tell yourself
0: it's hard but it's not but it's manageable you know and you're gonna go through you're gonna go through it all pal but you're gonna be okay man. you're gonna be okay and you're gonna be healthier than what you were you know and I, I think if I would have known that that May 7th, I would have been okay with everything you know mm-hmm. um, I just didn't know what was happening but I'm healthier now I've I dropped from 180 to like 155. I've put on a good amount of muscle. I'm stronger I just ran a marathon and had I known had I known back then that my life was about to change drastically, for only a couple of months, but then after changing the, in, in a really good way, I would have been okay with it.
1: What the, the most unbelievable and beautiful perspective. Yeah. Uh, I'm so happy that we did this. Tim, really. I'm super happy. Uh, I know, I mean, as opposed to some of the other people that come on the show, mm-hmm. you may not have the biggest social media yeah. following, but are you open to having a few more followers? A hundred percent. Okay. So tell the hurdlers how they can keep up with you. How do they follow okay. along with you? Give us the details. All right. So
0: the the best way for you guys to just keep up with me is uh through Instagram. My um what's that called? The profile?
1: My my handle. My
0: handle, sorry, sorry. No, you're good. My handle is Willie Valdrama. And um yeah, that's the best way to just get in contact with me that's and just it. follow me. Yeah.
1: We love it. We that's love it. it. I'm over at Emily Body and at hurdle podcast, another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.